Hey everybody, welcome to the show called Crag Gals, the show where we are gals talking about crags. My name is Carolyn DeRosa, I'm a third year film student here at Penn State University, um, minoring in audio engineering and English, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emma. How are you doing, Emma? Hey, Carolyn. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Yeah, my name's Emma. Um, like I've introduced myself in previous podcasts, I'm a bio major here at Penn State, minoring in marine science. Woo! We also have one and a half special guests today. We have a male on the show. Hi. <laughs> What's your name? My name is uh, Patrick Tunkel. Patrick uh, Tunkel. Yes. Should I not put my last name? Are no, you, you can. Not? No, okay, you cool. can. <laughs> I just realized you guys, did you guys put your last name when you introduced it's yourself? It's in the podcast notes who we are. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's known now. Yeah. Patrick, what, what major are you? Uh, I am an energy engineer, uh, monitoring in environmental engineering. Ooh, and okay. And third year here You're at Penn third State. You're a third year? Yeah. What is your relation to climbing here at Penn State? I do it. I you climb. do it? <laughs> are you, what position do you hold on our oh. executive board? <laughs> I'm VP. Yeah. If yeah. something happens to JJ, I'm next in line. Yeah. <laughs> Look out, JJ, he's coming for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Patrick is our lovely little VP um, who does all of our kind of stuff as a, you know, as as a VP. Things do. So, yeah. What is our fun fact for the day? So, today we're going to be talking about gear, and I had the fun idea to decide you know like spirit animals Mm -hmm. like what is your spirit piece of gear carolyn like if you are a piece of gear what would that piece be i think if i was coming up with this system like if i was coming up with this rating i would probably be like like a harness but i i think that you you your little thing that you told me yesterday about me being aggressive shoes (laughs) yes i did do you want to go into the whole do you want to go into uh, our aggressively downturned comp shoes? Yes. And Why? the reason I said this is because she's incredibly hardworking <laughs> and has an intensity about her personality that I love her for and um, many people don't have. And so because of those two reasons, I think that you are an aggressively downturned comp See, shoe. It's like a whole Aww. it's like a whole like literary analysis or character analysis kind of That's thing. That's what I'm here for as treasurer. Yeah. <laughs> the co treasurer. Uh, Patrick, what what um what gear would you I was be? Told I was a Grigri by by me and everyone. I th- I, I, like I agree with this. I I think that you would Actually very much be a Grigri. With my personality, I just stand by him. Yeah, this is true. Uh, we will get into this later in the episode, but Patrick is a ride or die for the Grigri. It's actually not that bad. I, I like him. It's not that bad much of an obsession. There hasn't been like any intervention. It's a little bit of an of an obsession, but that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, Emma, what are you in terms of gear? So I thought a really long time about this, and I have come to the conclusion that I am a dynamic, or no, I am a static climbing rope. Why are you a static climbing um, rope? First of all, I'm not a very dynamic climber. One mm-hmm. of the biggest um, anti-styles of mine is dynamic climbing, and for that reason, I'm picking the static rope. Additionally, ropes are required for my favorite type of climbing, which is anything that's not bouldering. <laughs> so that is why I'm picking rope for my spirit piece of gear <laughs> if i had to delegate you as a piece of gear i'd, I'd think you'd be a pass system really why is that because you're very reliable <laughs> just like sturdy Aww. you're able to go i don't know thanks carol i'm able to like not <laughs> ever gear that we own <laughs> i don't own a pass i've never i've never no, even built a pass. a pass in a static line i own a Grigri. i do i <laughs> own an alpine down. pass oh really oh. i did oh 
All right. I bought the Alpine Pass because it was purple, and I liked the purple color better than the black color. It's literally the only reason. The only reason that you want to choose a different piece of gear over another is color and style. Hello, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. I won't look at you guys. I will look at you guys. I'll just stare dead in space. (laughs) But yeah, that's our our spontaneous fun fact of the day. Um, Now, on to our- Hold on, Caroline. I have one more spontaneous fun fact. This weekend- I won a rope last for weekend. $5. Last weekend. <laughs> it was last weekend. But the point is, um, there was some good energy around this week, last weekend, and I won a rope for $5. And I just wanted to say that because I'm really happy that it happened. Do you she think you're going to. stole it and felt bad and gave someone $5. <laughs> exactly what happened. <laughs> Do you think you're going to win at Sport Rock? Do you think you're going to win something else at Sport Rock? Um, yeah. I think I'm going to get first place in the women's division. Fuck totally yeah, joking. Dude. I'm not going to. I hate competing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Emma is definitely competing in, in Sport Rock, Virginia. Um, what is it? Next weekend? Next weekend. I may possibly be competing, which is why we have to rush in order to get so many episodes done so that way we can cover our butts. Um, but, yeah. <sighs> we're going. We're going for it. Sweet. Party, Carolyn. We got climbing news next. What do you got for us? So, for our climbing news, um, first thing we're going to talk about is uh, Melina Costanza coming forward on Instagram uh, this past week talking about um, how she has kind of faced um, an, eating, an, eating dis- an eating disorder while um, going into the top scene. And uh, we've both kind of talked about like the uh, comp mindset, you know you know both of us have talked about like yeah overall like you know having to like be at a certain level where you where you, mm-hmm. you're at a functioning at a very high level um but um it is very common unfortunately in the sport for you know women to develop and men also too, to develop eating disorders um and unfortunately um melina has developed that and she felt um she felt compelled to share it and um i first want to say uh thank you to melina for like coming forward about this you know um I don't think anybody should ever be ashamed because of something that they're dealing with, um, regardless of any sport, um, especially when it comes to EDs. Um, you know, it's a lot of people, it's a lot, it's a thing that a lot of people think that they're the only ones like kind of dealing with when surprisingly, you know, you're not alone. Um, so let's just go through what she said. Yeah. Really fast, Carolyn. Yeah. Could you just, um, tell me or tell anyone who does not know already who who is Molina Costanza I've actually never heard this name before so Molina Costanza is a um is a uh, collegiate climber not like a collegiate climber she's actually more of a um, professional elite climber she's on the USA climbing team um she goes to UPenn uh graduating actually this year kind of yeah uh, and she also um is an athlete for the North Face so she competes a lot in terms of the international level so yeah she does both collegiate and international you know stuff but yeah she posted uh four days ago um saying quote when i began competing last year i thought the only way to achieve my goals was through sacrifice which meant pushing myself to mental physical and emotional places i knew were unsustainable this notion manifested as overtraining in an eating disorder that i explicitly denied or justified to both loved ones to both loved ones and myself ultimately the full throttle lifestyle of overworking and undernourishment was yielding results and it's easy to ignore the cliff you're running towards when you feel invincible um end quote and she ended up deciding to opt out of nationals um that's usa nationals so she did not compete in the 
um, the recent Yeti championships that we will talk about next episode, but not this episode. Um, I don't know. Emma, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think mental health, like we talked about in our first podcast episode, is a very is a very relevant topic right now. A mm-hmm. lot more people are talking about it. It's a lot less taboo. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of us personally know people who deal with these things, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think the fact that um, Melina was able to come out and be vocal and be open about mm-hmm. her experiences um, shows that it's not a bad thing that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, um, definitely. Many people go through a lot of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And again, like we said it's good to have an open discussion about it so it becomes more normalized mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, people can get help when they need it. And I think mm-hmm. it was really good that she was able to pull out of the championships um, to prioritize mental health because I don't think yeah. people are able to do that enough. And so I commend her for that. Yeah, definitely. Patrick, do you have any thoughts? Nah, that's a pretty brave thing to do to come out and say that. A lot yeah. of people try and hide that kind of stuff, especially if you're mm-hmm. an athlete. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, climbing, I used to pole vault and that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. People like get, you get weight in before you do that. Oh, so. you do? Yeah. So you wow. see your weight before every time because there's a weight limit on the pole. Oh, whole, whole other thing. But like a lot okay. of athletes there will have eating disorders. I knew a bunch of people mm-hmm. that would be like, yeah, I didn't, didn't have any meals today. Mm-hmm. Similar with like wrestling. Yeah, I know. I know wrestling and dance are the biggest, at least like wrestling, dance, you know, swimming, gym, gymnastics is another big one. Um, where unfortunately a lot of athletes are um, forced to deal with like you know with eating disorder eating disorders I know wrestling is probably the biggest one amongst men mainly because it forces them to see their weight and they have to make a certain weight every time they compete and they try and get to the top of their oh yeah not mistaken it's the top of their weight class yeah because you don't want to be fighting someone that's like super a lot heavier than you so yeah it's definitely an unfortunate thing that we as athletes have to deal with um jj do you have any thoughts we haven't introduced jj we haven't introduced jj someone else in our little podcast podcast booth right now who we have not introduced yet because he's the half being in a second is our president jj who we have mentioned before on the podcast so he's definitely Mm -hmm. not an unfamiliar name no Uh, yeah hi um my name is jj i'm a junior um (laughs) I double major in both broadcast journalism and Chinese. Um, I am president of the climbing club team. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, I would agree on that when it comes to like, eating disorders and things like that. It's a big issue that a lot of athletes have to face. Um, but luckily, they don't have to face it alone, especially with social media being such a wonderful platform. I think it's a good opportunity for people to both um, highlight the um, kind of like the not so pretty side of athletes but then also like bring awareness to like hey it's okay if you have this thing and you can get help in order to become better as not only as an athlete but then also as an overall person that so um all in all i think it's it's very brave of molina to come out about this and um i feel really bad that she wasn't able to go into nationals um but overall i really like what she said um at the end um at the end of her instagram post um, she said, quote, I still love climbing and always will, but I owe it to myself and everybody who struggled with something similar to do this the right way. I'll be back soon with a little winky face. Um, I think it was it was a really good step for her to to kind of, you know, take a break and be able to, you know, know herself well enough to be able to take that break and to also be a good model for those who may be struggling with this and help them realize, too, that it might be time to get help. Um, so, yeah, Melina, we hope to see you soon. Um, but yeah. Overall, JJ unfortunately has to leave. Um, he's going to go film something for the other club that him and I in <laughs> out of the 20,000 things that we do. Do you have any last thoughts, JJ? Uh, not in particular. <laughs> Are you <laughs> Thanks sure? Thanks for having me. Um, I'll see you guys next time. I'll probably be back for the Friendsgiving episode, but then also every other so often just because um, 
I do be stopping by this podcast quite often. He does stop by this podcast. JJ is a wannabe crag gal. And they're more than welcome to be a crag gal. This is this is correct, yes. Anybody can be a crag gal. <laughs> All right. Um, so I went on to climbing.com and somehow found this article uh written by someone named Gear Guru on November 6, 2022, called When Inexperience Could Be Deadly. This new climber didn't know how to belay or even lower from a fixed anchor. Uh, bungling both imaginably awful ways. She it, picked the article just because of the word. I really did. I googled the whole like word, the word and bungling. everything. <laughs> um, no, yeah, this is true. When when Carolyn found <laughs> this article, she was like, "Whoa, that word's awesome." I was like, "What does bungling even mean?" I'm gonna relook it up. Bungling: the action or fact of carrying out a task clumsily or incompetently. Also, an adjective making or characterized by many clumsy mistakes. So I was like, ooh, period, new word. Um, so basically, the article is kind of like a story. Um, the person who writes it says, quote, a week ago, I saw the scariest thing I've ever seen. This woman who said this was her second day climbing belayed this guy as he led Child's Play 5.6 on the fume wall outside Durango, Colorado. This guy seemed more experienced, and when he called for slack, his Bolera gave him slack by putting her brake hand above the ATC. She did this numerous times. End quote. Um, yeah. <laughs> the silence speaks for itself, but yeah. um, I, you know, Patrick, I want to know what your opinion about this is because you are a big fan of the Grigri, mm-hmm. which has a camming device in it to prevent... Um, People who really don't know what they're doing to manage risk a little better, and so yeah. so given the fact that they weren't even using uh, they weren't using a Grigri, right? No, they were using yeah, ATC. they were using a full ATC, which is not a hands free or assisted no. braking device in, by any means. By so. any means, no. Yeah, I mean, I like the Grigri, and so I feel like we're really driving home that I use it. But uh, yeah, I, that's that's not not a good thing to do when playing. Don't no. do this. <laughs> no disclaimer: Don't try this at home, kids. Yeah, disclaimer: Do not try this at home. <laughs> Um, I think all of us are pretty qualified just by experience enough to say this is definitely a no-no. Um, <laughs> we have spent uh, the past two years climbing to figure out that this is a no-no, end quote. <laughs> yeah, this is a big no-no. Um, um, quote, um, according to the article, quote, much worse when it was her to the climb, she unclipped the draws on the way up and then at the top of the route, she unclipped both mussy hooks and when the guy was trying to take her he she said something isn't right and we yelled Hold on a minute so you're saying she was following a lead route and then mm-hmm. unclipped the anchor draws and then said something is wrong yeah because <laughs> he Holy was trying crap. to t- he tried the take too so like i didn't realize so it was like, that bad yeah so yeah this is bad um wow so basically to give you guys quite context of what is happening so when you're leading even we can even talk about this like in a gym context right if someone ever follows a lead route the first thing you tell them is you say you unclip the draws on the way up. You do not unclip the last draws from the top because it, that's what you're going to get lowered off of. Yes, that is the exactly the point that she was going to lower off of. And then of obviously when she unclipped, the guy who's belaying her is not paying, paying any attention either. So he starts to take. Do you see right, what's going Which is another issue because now she doesn't have any more rope to then put the rope back through the clips. Yes, it's, correct. It's all taken. Um, wow, yeah, this was this is a this is a doozy. This one, I didn't know yeah, it was that bad. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a, a weird. I'm reading this now, and I just I'm already getting anxiety. Um, so basically, um, Gear Guru um, ended up 
one of one of their friends offered the guy to take a belay and he took it um and then they showed the woman how to belay and then drilled it into her to never quote and like this is in all caps too never take your hand off the brake strand um and according to them she was willing to warn um which i find really great I don't know. What yeah, your, that's that's good. Did you? Yeah. I think I remember you saying when you were showing me this this um article that she had only been climbing for like two days. Or two something? days. This was her. This is this was her day two climbing wow. according to the article. Quote: This woman who said it. This was her second day climbing. Belayed this guy as he led. So basically, on day two of climbing, she's learning how to lead belay. <laughs> that's not good. Patrick, what do you think? Uh, don't lead belay on your second time climbing. I guess this that's- is. Uh, it's kind of like a fault of like the person that brought her out too. Like, I would say so too. Also, yeah. I I don't know how like I need to know that someone can leap belay me before I leap belay or get leap belayed by someone. This is like yeah. There's a difference between going to the gym and being like, oh yeah, you're you're belay certified, like belay me. But like mm-hmm. if you even see like, oh you're lead certified, like you want to know how much they're gonna give, how much they take, mm-hmm. like their like communication with you. You have to actually know your lead belayer. Yeah, it's not just the same as just finding anyone in a crag and be like, all right, yeah, just. Hold this. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I go up there. Yeah, that's that's a very fair point. And that kind of talks to a little bit the importance of finding people that you trust to climb mm-hmm. with, right? Yeah. Because if you go into a situation where you don't trust your climbing partner, like communication's gonna break down and things like this are gonna happen because you don't know where the other person's coming from. Yeah, definitely. I personally have a very strict rule of like if you're gonna lead belay me, you have to know my mother's first name. Yeah, (laughs) I failed at that. That's okay. Well, either way, you still like I. I I still have. Yeah, you do know now, but like in general, like you have to know, like like you have to know me essentially. Like you have to know like L E Y D A. Correct. Yes. (laughs) Um, you're actually the first person to spell that right. Like most people spell. The only reason I knew that is because. Uh, I don't know why I know that actually. Oh. <laughs> um, I've been stalking you for some time now. <laughs> um, that's what it is, yes. But yeah. Your cat's name is. I don't Pringles. have a cat. I don't, know. I don't have a cat. <laughs> Damn it. She doesn't have a that's cat close. either. Um, but yeah, like for me, like if if I'm going to put my life into your hands, you got to know the person who brought me into this world and you got to know that you're going to leave her alone if, wow. <laughs> if you take me out. It's just got deep. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that was. Honestly, fair point though, Carolyn. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. Overall, like I saw this and it just gave me like so much anxiety. But I'm very glad that she was willing to learn. According to the article, um, it's always my biggest fear, like especially when going around the gym, where if I have to correct somebody in terms of like proper belaying technique, that they're just gonna fire back and be like, "No, I, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, query, this is fine. You know, he's not gonna fall or anything." But in reality, like, you know. Even on routes where we're doing like like easy routes, like this is a five six route. This is clearly clearly nothing crazy. This man probably could have, if he really wanted to, free soloed it, right? But at the same time, like rocks break, you know, your shoes will slip. Maybe you know a handhold is, you know, I don't know, chip. Maybe a handhold or chip, or even like because we're out, we're talking about the outdoors in the situation, like you know, a, a a spider or some shit could like, or a yeah, bird could you, fly you out. You could fall. You could fall exactly. That's how. Yeah. Or a bear, or a bear. Um, <laughs> if you listen to our last podcast episode, that was actually you two podcasts that episodes ago. Um, Plugging the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, listen to Craig Gals. Yeah, listen to Craig Gals. Um, they, they but succeeded. but <laughs> just, just wanted to point that out there. You can go. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the last part of the article um, kind of talks about you know 
they they kind of educated her about about the rope system and talked about how it's a big no no to let go of the belay the belay loop or the brake strand while while belaying. Um, from the article, um, gear gr- good grief gear guru said quote the underlying issue here is that the climbers weren't experienced enough to get out on a real rock even a couple of days in the gym would have sharpened her skills enough to be um a, an, a, a competent partner this is his fault because he knew how to climb and belay and failed to properly instruct her and he shouldn't have let her clean the route rather he should have rigged it for a tr let her climb and then clean it herself um i 100 percent I 100% agree with that. I think um, that is this exi- this example is a situation where that didn't happen, and it could have been really bad. And like, thank thank goodness it it was mm-hmm. okay, and they were all fine, right? But yeah. this is a situation of if you don't know, ask and don't pretend like you know. Yeah, exactly. I can't even imagine bringing out my friends who like have never rock climbed before out to the crag. I don't think I'd ever take any of my friends for their first time for their first time out to the crag. I think that's a not a very wise decision um just because of how dangerous it can be and especially not letting them belay for the first time yeah belaying is a no-no maybe yeah, to, belaying like, is a if no-no. You, you tie them in yourself and you're like okay you can go yeah all, maybe all but it's personally yeah maybe like bouldering yeah you know but i go go to the gym first you know learn learn have these people learn these skills before you take them out and and do these things so yeah any last thoughts? None from my end. Thanks for the cool story. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks Guru Guru for this story. Um, but yeah. Now to our our main body paragraph of the episode. So I this morning there's a phrase at least in like like hip hop culture where it's like you you go into the studio and you like make a song so therefore it's like you go to the the stew to cook up something so today's i said this in the group chat and it sounded so geeky and nerdy and dorky but word stew today yeah the stew of today's episode we're talking about gear yes carolyn did text all of us she's like get to the stew at 4 p.m and immediately after and I was you were like stew that's the food for this episode <laughs> and i didn't even um, spell like like s-t-e-w i right. spelled it s-t-u yes and so, i was like stew <laughs> what kind of stew though carolyn because we can't just say stew and then not identify a type of stew beef stew beef beef, beef potatoes beef, beef potatoes carrots beef stock with some bread and butter done I'm gonna go that. with a veggie stew because I don't eat red meat. So everything That's that you true. just said without the beef, okay, is, I would totally consume. That. I usually do not eat red meat either, but there is there is exceptions at some points. Pat, do you like stew? Yeah, you do like I'll, stew. I'll, I'll eat red it? meat too. You like red meat? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Just to be different. All right. So we're talking about gear today. Patrick is honestly like our go-to person when it talks when it comes to gear. Thanks. Yeah, like whenever I have questions about how stuff works, like if I'm not at Climb Nittany and I don't have easy like resources, I go to Patrick because yeah, you're, you're just like a nerd about this stuff. Yeah, no, and the reason why we invited Patrick on the episode today is because if you know you'll you'll Pat you'll buy a new piece of gear and then read the info card you read the info cards well yeah which is how he has all his knowledge and no one else does that Mm -hmm. and i think it's such a good thing to read the info card yeah so that you understand 
what your gear can take, what yeah. it shouldn't take, what its limits are, and just generally understand more about how the piece of equipment you're using is manufactured. Mm-hmm. And so given that Patrick likes to uh, read these little info cards and also do research about why gear is the way it is, we figured we'd bring him on for this episode. And Ooh. today we're going to be talking about all types of gear and um, how they are the way they are and why they are the way they are. Patrick, what type of gear do you have? I have a Mammoth 9.8 rope. That is the Craig Classic. It is a um, dry rope. Actually, no, it's not a dry rope. Sorry, opposite. It doesn't have the coating. Oh, it doesn't? Okay, it doesn't. so you can't no. use it outside. What? No, you can't. So you there's can? two. Okay. There's um, a dry coating on certain ropes that'll keep mm-hmm. it waterproof. So if you're going to be climbing oh. next to like a waterfall, you mm-hmm. want it to be a dry rope. Um, if it's not dry, it's less expensive, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have that nice coating on it yeah and i was cheap so i didn't i didn't buy the nice coating plus i don't like to climb in the rain anyway so i didn't even know that you could climb near waterfalls That's yeah nice. so it, i mean if you're a caver or if you like oh. just like the view of a waterfall or like ice climbing as well yes oh they that really makes like sense too yeah yeah um, i didn't even know that was an option when mm-hmm. buying ropes that's really interesting yeah. yeah yeah they'll put on protective coating it's also a lot of um yeah, it's wear resistant. So, like, if it's rubbing up against a rock, it'll last a little bit longer. Yeah. I've got a dead spot because I didn't get dry rope. And, uh, well, not because I didn't get dry rope. I mm-hmm. wore it down on some rocks. Yeah. Um, can you define what a dead spot is, please, Pat? Yeah. So, if you got a rope that's no longer worky, it has a dead spot. So, ropes, generally, you can pull on them really, really mm-hmm. hard. They can pull trucks and planes and stuff. Like, I don't know about a plane, but <laughs> the, the weight rating on most ropes around 24 kilonewtons. In, what is a kilonewton? Uh, kilonewton is a measure of force. So okay. you can think of it as like if you're measuring how many pounds it can hold, you mm-hmm. can convert your weight to a force. So I weigh about 150. Yeah. Um, generally kind of a light guy, but it's, um, man, I'm going to mess. Like if anyone listens and they normally talk in kilograms, I think I'm around 60, but that could be wrong. I can't convert in my head. Uh, 70. 70? Yes. So, okay, 70, 70 kilograms, mm-hmm. and that's about, oh, wow, you just converted that for me. All right, well, skipping a few steps, I'm about 0.667235 kilonewtons. Okay. So, if you wanted to know, um, a rope is going to have um, about 24 times that strength just mm-hmm. pulling. Um, that's not including knots. Knots can take the rope's strength down to half. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um. Yeah. So you can pull a lot on them, but yeah. What you want to avoid is any sharp rocks and stuff. You can mm-hmm. cut it. You know, like you people can take a knife and still slice that thing in half. Yeah. Uh. Pretty easily. So as that's like the actual danger when climbing is mm-hmm. not you're gonna fall and the rope. You know, as long as it's a dynamic rope, I can talk about static and dynamic. Mm-hmm. But as long as you like have a nice area for you to fall in, like that rope's not gonna snap from that force. Yeah. Um, like the highest force that i've heard anyone generating is like mm-hmm. five i mean not like people measure it that much i watched a, how not to highline yeah yeah, yeah. Not to, i, I not watched plug that, that channel too. but it's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a good channel they mm-hmm. uh like generated i think five at the most i think and they yeah. were they were trying i think i know what video you're talking yeah. about too because they purposely like they purposely like set it up so that way it was a very hard whip so that way the person who was being belayed was much heavier than the belayer yeah and so so you so you're saying you know, at, at its max, humans can generate about five kilonewtons of force. Around, what I mean, is, I'm not saying what like, is. Yeah. What are ropes maxed out at? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah. Twenty-four-ish. Yeah. Jeez, wow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like but a like, lot of elephants on that rope wouldn't be needed to fall. Yeah. For, for the Americans listening, <laughs> it's about twenty elephants. Uh, that's equivalent to uh, three football teams. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, there's still, um, I only learned this like, honestly, yesterday when Danny's talking about it, like knots, I knew knots took down ropes strength, but it can take it down like to orders of half. So you could be more looking at like a 12.5 kilonewton strength right there. Um, so it's still double anything you could generate, but back to like the, the abrasion part is like the actual, the real danger because you know, once it's like the sheath of the rope, uh, comes off, it, it can get pretty bad. Um, more clarification ropes got a um inside mm-hmm. there are the main strands the core of the, the rope. core the core mm-hmm. yeah um that part's strong mm-hmm. and very sturdy like that's what actually keeps you up and the stuff on the outside the pretty weave that's mm-hmm. called the sheath that's just to protect the core from getting cut because mm-hmm. cuts are what's gonna make you go yeah, on. the slap sound in my mouth picked up <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so uh, the sheath will probably wear first. That's where you get all that fuzz. If yeah. You've ever, if you own a rope yourself and, you know, it's all fuzzy, not necessarily the worst thing. It's just the sheath's getting messed up. Um, but if you ever see people flake or, like, curl their ropes around, they're checking for that core being intact so it can still hold that nice 24 to 12, I guess, at a knot point. Um mm-hmm. And keep you nice and nice and alive. Yeah, exactly. I almost said the S word. <laughs> yes. But climbing is inherently dangerous. Correct. So. There is no S word on this podcast. No. Twenty dollars for the first. Actually, no. Twenty dollars. We do not what have twenty dollars. The- I was gonna. I was gonna say twenty dollars for the first person, like the first viewer who can guess like what the S word is. And I was like, I don't have twenty dollars. <laughs> the S word is. Oh, may I? May I disclose yes, this information? Yes, you may, you may disclose. Yes, the S word, we refer to the, uh, there are there is only one rule on this podcast, and that's you cannot say the S word, which is the, the, the word About safe. climbing. Yes, about climbing, yes. Because we, we can't endorse a quote-unquote safe method. Yes. Because it's inherently dangerous, and you can minimize this danger. By being Correct. Vigilant. Yes. No, that is a good word. I, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should pull up some, like a bunch of synonyms. <laughs> I, I think vigilant's a good word. You know, it's just that like safe just... It gives people like this under this like almost like like this comforter of like oh this is safe then boom done you don't even have to think about it right yeah mm-hmm. um and I think talking about gear and understanding why it's rated the way that it is mm-hmm. helps people understand why safe is not necessarily a correct word to use it's yeah. more risk mitigating right yes um but yeah cool I think that was. A lot of information that I just yeah. learned about ropes. Yeah, I kind of um, dispute it, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, okay. that was good. We're, I mean, we're going to kind of go through our, our list of things here. So, yeah, I think that was, um, I think you you had mentioned mentioning, you had mentioned. Mentioned mentioning. <laughs> I didn't mention the mentioning of mentioning dynamic rope, I think is what you're about to say. Um, yeah, so can you just tell us the difference between static and dynamic? And then mm-hmm. um, also, when you introduced what type of rope you had, you said it was 9.8. What is that number? Uh, it's millimeters in uh, circumference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just how thick the rope is. Okay. Um, thicker the rope, stronger the rope, thinner mm-hmm. the rope. People don't, you know, if it's lighter, they get the lead climb with less of a, you know, a pull yeah. on the way down. So people like some thin rope. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so why would you want like a dynamic rope or why would you want like a static rope? So even though they can hold about the same, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't account for shock loading it. So a static line does not stretch at all. It's like, mm-hmm. um, well, it's stiff and static. Um, this rope, you know, you can top rope on it. Um, you can tie your natural anchors with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, once if you're trying to take a big fall, you're not going to get that soft catch. You're just going to whip in a, 
I don't know. It's pulling it really tight, really quick. Yeah. And you're just gonna get like a little bit of whiplash when you when you hit the um, the bottom of your fall. Um, and also, that can put a lot more stress on the rope than you're initially thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, so like a three kilonewton fall might hurt the rope more than normal. Oh, um, okay. A dynamic rope, on the other hand, stretches like a rubber band. So mm-hmm. instead of that force all being applied at like you know that one point where it snaps in the braking sense snaps as in like it's loose and not pulled taut and mm-hmm. gets really tight um that when you fall it'll it'll stretch and slowly uh distribute the force along along the rope mm-hmm. um so dynamic ropes are like a lead climbing rope um your dratting rope anything mm-hmm. anything you really climb on, even top rope i top rope on my dynamic because yeah. mm-hmm. um, outdoors sometimes you take even on the top rope fall, like just a few feet. Yeah. Um, but it's good to have dynamic instead. Yeah, definitely. I personally have top roped on a dynamic rope, like a fully dynamic rope. And I believe the ones we use at the gym are kind of like a hybrid mix of like standard dynamic or st- a static dynamic. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll have uh, dynamic. I don't know how they might mix them. Yeah. No, they, they do. I Yeah. I haven't found too many mixed ropes. They've got... It's really actually hard to find static rope. Yeah. Things. I was mm-hmm. looking for it for a long time, but most ropes you'll see are dynamic. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of static ropes are used for indoor gyms. Yeah. Um, because they'll just set up permanent top rope lines, and that's what people use. Um, yeah, definitely. All right, so that's our that's our little shebang about ropes. Yeah, I think that that was that was a good discussion. I that was yeah. I feel mean, um, like I feel like I do not know enough about ropes, even though I'm in the market for one right now. Mm. I'll help you out. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's actually. Uh, I can help you out with her. Okay. <laughs> you probably heard that earlier. But. You probably did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Emma wants point. me to go. So for me, I'm going to be talking about uh, shoes and belay devices. First thing though, I'm going to talk about um, is belay devices. And obvi- like, I think this is a really good discussion that Pat and I can have. But mainly in terms of belay devices, there are three kind of main types. There is a tube style belay device, um, which is personally what I own. There is an um, there is a geometric assisted braking device which I want, and then there is the um, is it literally called geometric assisted braking device? I don't think it's called geometric, but I'm distincting it? because it's not a jewel, huh? Uh, a jewel, not in the well. Yeah, you know, not the um, belay device jewel. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the thing. The thing. Um, but yeah, and then after that, um, there is the um, cam-assisted braking device. So the ones that I use right now is a tube style belay device. Um, you can find those in your typical Black Diamond ATC. If you don't know what ATC stands for, fun fact, it's called um, air traffic control. Like the things that you would see like on top of airports. Do you know why it's called yeah. an air traffic control? Uh, no. <laughs> why are they called? I was just, yeah. Because technically like you're controlling someone who's in the air. Um, so yeah, fun yeah. fact of the day. The first ATCs, time I learned that what? was on a climbing club trivia night and they- Sounds like kind of a joke. Not like-, like No, it's, like it's a real like, thing. It's a real yeah, thing. It's so funny to me because I was like Alpine something carabiner, <laughs> right? Like I didn't, I had like air traffic controller, not, that couldn't be it. But I just thought, I just think it's really funny that that's what it's called. Yeah. It's so cute. Um, so yeah, basically what it is, um, so a tube style device that you can usually get either with black diamond or, um, Petzl, 
they basically look like these little pig noses with little elastic tubes attached to that's them. That's a really good way um, of describing that. I've never <laughs> known how to describe what a blade device looks like. Yeah, so basically these use friction um, to be able to um, allow the rope to easily pass through between your harness and your hands. Um, you can use it for both top roping and lead belaying. I use it for both. The big thing about this that we actually talked about earlier in this episode was that you can never take your brake hand your brake hand off the brake strand with this. This is because um, unlike the next two pieces of equipment that I'm about to mention, these don't have any type of any like any type of assisted locking device or any type of engineering or geometry that will help them squeeze a rope enough to be able to stop it from moving. So if I'm belaying Emma on this ATC and if I let go, Emma is coming down. There is no option. Emma is coming down. Um, that's gravity for you. That's gravity for you. Yeah, there is negative. Emma may come down squared. Emma no, may come down <laughs> slower than expected. <laughs> she may come down slower than expected. But she will be coming down at a force that is not going to help her out too much. Mm, big ouchies. Big ouchies, correct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the next time. I read that on a card for an ATC. When I- <laughs> yeah. Really? Big ouchies? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this device, when not used properly, will cause big ouchies. No. I mean. It's not on the card. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I would write that. If I was like the Gen Z intern at Black Diamond, <laughs> I would write that. I think you should become the Gen Z intern at Black Diamond Bro, so that can happen. I am the fakest engineer you've ever met. Like, <laughs> I am an audio engineer. I do not do any of the <laughs> special shit that they do. So yeah, the next style of belay device that I personally really enjoy is the geometric um, assisted braking device. So devices that fall under this category are the... Ellie Reed Jewel, the ATC Pilot, and the Mammoth Smart. Um, all of these do have some type of assisted braking capability, but instead of using kind of like um, engineering or a cam, you know, in order to squeeze the rope to be able to um, allow it for it to stop moving, it instead uses geometry. Um, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I believe that what it does is that it basically squeezes the rope to be able to stop it from moving. And then the way to disengage it from that kind of like locked, quote unquote, locked position is to tilt the device up. So that way it, um, so that way it releases kind of like that, that squeeze and allows the rope to freely move through. Um, you can use, also use this device for top roping and belaying or top roping and leading. Um, you just have to kind of adjust. So like if I'm at the top of the wall and she wants to come down instead of just, you know, kind of shifting the rope through my hands, I now have to tip, tip the device up, um, to be able to do that. Um, and if I'm lead belaying and if I want to give slack, I have to then tilt the device up and then feed slack in through that way. Um, and of course, lastly, the cam assisted braking device, this is basically what the Grieger uses, is that it basically uses a thing called a cam where it kind of goes up and squeezes the rope um, once pressure, once enough pressure is applied to it. That cam can be disengaged by squeezing both both the top and the bottom of, of the Grieger, which is like my main reason of why I don't like it. But um, in order to feed slack, it would be almost kind of like that same same process of um you know lightly putting your thumb on the top to be able to give slack and then taking it off and then of course to let somebody down you would take the little lever pull it back and then shift the rope through your hands to be able to um bring it down so yeah 
those are pretty much like in terms of belay devices. I always recommend that everybody learn to belay on an ATC. A lot of people argue that this could be a lot more dangerous, but I think it enforces good technique given proper instruction and proper risk management. Obviously, you know, don't give a five-year-old uh, a, a you know an ATC and to say okay kid you're belaying someone no, now I see kids <laughs> who are like literally like five or seven lead climbing in the gym yeah because they're on team Nittany and I yeah. think it's super great but at the same time to your point they're kids right and they're yeah like, like lead climbing or lead belaying both really mm-hmm. like mostly lead climbing though I think Timmy's like <laughs> I think the youngest father? person who can lead belay is a fourteen year old right now. Um, and I have seen kids younger lead climb, um, but overall I think it's to the discretion of the instructors to be able to decide like yeah. who, who can lead climb. It's not like, okay, you reach this age, like you're okay to lead climb. Like, no. some devices to balance the weight. I, Correct. I yeah. Used them, so mm-hmm. I can't talk. Them. Yeah. And there's also like, we could also talk about ohms too. Ohms are really cool, but I do not know enough about ohms to be able to like confidently speak, but do you know enough about ohms, Patrick? No, that's, that's what I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just saw All it. I know is Ohm is a unit of uh, resistance. Oh, I thought you were going to say something related to yoga. Emma's a no, big yoga it's a, fan. It's a ohm thing. was that ohm? Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in a random mood today. Oh, this boy. is why I keep digressing our conversation. No, you're good. So yeah, overall, I think everybody should at least learn underneath an ATC with proper care and proper instruction, um, because it enforces it. It forces you to have good technique. Because the consequences of you not having good belay technique is someone dies. That is, yes, trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I trial by fire. Um, but yeah, it forces you to kind of have that, you know, that that level of consequence where it's like, yes, technically you can learn on a grigri, but at the same yeah. time, um, there is kind of like that, that kind of like comforter, you know, whereas like this thing will quote unquote lock. But then, of course, once you get into weed belaying where you kind of have to learn how to properly engage and disengage a cam where proper boy technique can really come in handy. And same goes for the smart too. I don't really think people should learn on smarts or uh, ATC pilots just because of the upward tilting maneuver. I think it's a lot to learn for a new person. But at the same time though, when you start getting into more advanced climbing, if you start going into outdoor climbing, having that extra layer of protection can be really, really beneficial. So yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Oh, I, I like to have <laughs> completely opposite, not to be that guy. But I like, I personally learned on a Grigri. You did you? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there is that idea that people get way too safe with it. And mm-hmm. I know people that like they do. Mm-hmm. But it's better to just chastise them and then the, figure, like get them really in the mindset of pulling that brake strand. Yeah. Because people are forgetful. And especially if you're new, like that lady that was. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. on the ATC. If like that was super dangerous to throw even that with like no protection or anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have someone that's messing up, it's good to have backups. Yeah, Climbing is always redundant. So mm-hmm. that's a piece of equipment I like to have redundant. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like you said, it, having that consequence of falling mm-hmm. on ATC, it definitely gets in your head. Like you need good technique. You do. Yeah. But at there's other ways of learning sometimes. True, yeah. And I will mention this too. A lot of, um, I think there is a pretty decent 
amount of gyms in the United States that do not allow ATCs. They only allow grigris. No, they have grigris set up at every single rope that is in the gym. And your first thing that the first no. thing that happens when you walk into a gym in those gyms. Gym yeah. Okay. I cool. Just, I just didn't want to talk over Carolyn. Earth tracks. <laughs> yeah. Earth tracks does that. Yeah. yeah. And movement. That's why I learned on a grigri because they oh, have them on every single rope. Oh, I see. So. I see. Every, Every topper blind, they have just like a gym grigri that anyone like. You don't even have to bring your own blade device to the gym anymore. I hate anymore. that. I personally yeah. hate that. It was quite nice. Um, the only the downside was not knowing how to load it. Um, that's like like if you load a grigri, you get to open it up and be like, oh, like it's literally just two parts. Mm-hmm. It's just a big old pin that takes the the chunky part of it. Yeah, and as the rope pulls, it folds and it pinches the rope right right similar right. to mm-hmm. how other devices will use the carabiner to pinch the rope mm-hmm. so as more force is applied the more it'll can the more it'll resist yeah um so loading it's a good thing to know um mm-hmm. but i i can see why they put them up because you know if you're a gym and you don't want anyone falling or making any mistakes mm-hmm. if you just have a bunch of fixed lines where the only mistake you can make with not the only mistake you can make with a Grigi, but most likely it's just going to be like, oh, they fell a little too far or they, like, you know, wouldn't, or they would take too much while the person was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And basically, like, the first thing that you do, like, I, I'm assuming at Earth Trek, this is also the case too, but, like, the first thing that you do when you, like, if you're a brand new person to this gym is that you have, like, a belaying orientation where they take yeah. you, like, they take, like, 15 minutes to teach you, like, how to do, like, P-Bus or something. Yeah. I took a, I think I took a class for it too. Oh, um, did my, you? My okay. first time I took a, yeah, and they taught us to belay with mm-hmm. and do all that yeah. jazz. But generally a universal thing to test. Mm-hmm. Or else the place is probably going to get shut down or sued. I mean, yeah, and there have been, I, I, I have, you, you kind of, you hear these things every once in a while, but basically like there have been times where people have assumed like fixed lines with Grigri's on them offer more protection than they really do. Um... So, yeah, I think it's important to educate, you know, people who come to the gym, like, about these devices, but at the same time, too, I think it's obviously very important to kind of, like, say to, like, our audience, like, you know, know, you have to know yourself in order to know, like, what type of gear you want, too. Like, you can't just kind of be like, oh, I'm going to start out with, like, an ATC and I'm going to, you know... I mean, this is very extreme, but like take an ATC on, on, on like a multi pitch, like just a, like a normal tube style ATC, mm-hmm. the one that I just have right now that doesn't have any type of like repelling capabilities. Like, you know, you have to know like what level you're going to be at for climbing, and you have to be competent enough to make that decision to research your gear, to to try it out if you have friends who have it, or even if you see somebody at the gym, um, ask to maybe you know borrow and you know, you know, quickly like see like how the device works. I think that would be really beneficial for anybody to you know want to go into that conversation a bit um yeah cool i think those that was some cool information about blade devices as well i mm-hmm. um, learned some new things there um i'm gonna talk really briefly about harnesses um okay i think between all three of us um i have the least gear knowledge when it when it when it comes to like specifically how much gear is rated or mm-hmm. like what gear is made of and yeah. stuff like that so because of that i'm gonna talk just very briefly about harnesses um okay. i found a a good resource from scoutorama.com this guy has been doing uh, <laughs> this guy has been doing gear reviews and seems pretty credible and reputable um, since 1996 so um, I'm going to use some information from his site to talk a little little bit about climbing harnesses 
Um, generally, when new climbers are, are picking out a climbing harness, there's a ton of different harnesses on the market. Yeah. And it often is confusing to try and figure out which harness you want to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've come to learn is that under the UIAA, yep. which is in French, but in English, it's International Climbing and Mountaineering Federation. Mm-hmm. Um They've established that all climbing harnesses must hold a minimum of 15 kilonewtons, which is around um, 3,300 pounds of force. Yeah. So even your cheapest harness, if it has passed the UIAA rules, will hold 15 kilonewtons of force. And so the only reason you would be needing to pay extra money is for other features of the harness that would help you out in alpinism or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I have have my harness here today because I thought I was going to climb, but... um, yeah, like that's yeah. All of the harnesses like by by that federation, like we look for at Climb Nittany, and also like fun fact, if you're wondering if your harness is legit, um, at least if it was made in the European Union, it should have a cute little thing on it that says CE, and then followed by some numbers. That usually means that it's um, you know, regulated by like some type of climbing federation to be you know competent enough for it to be able to hold you up. Yeah, what you pay for is just comfort. Yeah, pretty like much. Cheap yeah. harnesses, they'll be uncomfortable, maybe, mm-hmm. but they uh, they hold you. They hold you. Mine yeah. wasn't even that expensive. It was like yeah, it was mine. No, fifty, maybe. Yeah, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Not five years yet, though. I think mine was like seventy. I think. Yeah, yeah. Emma, do you know? Do you know what like the average lifespan? Yeah, of Yeah, that's a very good question mm-hmm. that Patrick just brought up. So, um, generally, the accepted length, uh, like maximum time is about seven years. Um, okay. A lot of gyms though will do five years. So yeah. I know at least for, for Penn State, you have to run your personal gear by the staff at the climbing wall. Yep. So they can just check that you are using gear that is still up to date and still mm-hmm. all intact. Um, and so here at Penn State, uh, there is a rule that you have to have um, a harness that is no older than five years. Mm-hmm. Um Generally, though, that is a a gym rule, and harnesses can extend life their yep. their lifetime into about seven years. But you know, between that five and seven year mark is when you really want to start being vigilant about checking your harnesses for mm-hmm. for frayed webbing or yep. anything that might be broken. Um, I know a lot of climbing accidents do happen because your harness is the last thing you would think to check, right? You're going to check your rope. You're going to check your carabiners. You're going to check your life support. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we also forget that the root of all that life support is your harness. Yeah. And so being vigilant about checking that is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another distinction I just wanted to make about the harness in specific is that the harness is different from the belay loop. Um, The belay loop itself is where you clip your belay device in Mm -hmm. all the belay devices we just talked about. This is where you would be clipping them in. Um, and belay loops can only hold about 10 kilonewtons of oh, wow. of force, which is about um, 2,200 pounds. So that goes yeah. down about 1,000 pounds of force. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just an important distinction when learning what you should and should not wait yeah. when you're... When you're um, when you're using your harness and that's a big reason why when you tie your figure eight knot you tie your figure eight knot through the two soft points of your yeah, harness and yeah. not through the belay loop mm-hmm. right because that's going to add another thousand pounds of force that it's able to hold yeah definitely in terms of like like if people like want to buy harnesses like is there anything that they should like look for in terms of like ability or in terms of like do you know yeah, the different, no, do you know yeah, the different types yeah, of harnesses? I think all harnesses are pretty standard and like mm-hmm. i said before you don't need the most expensive harness for it yeah. to do its job mm-hmm. um if you come across a harness that is not with safety ratings, what website are you on, first of all? 
And second of all, you might want a second opinion about the gear, the other gear that you're buying. If yeah. you find a harness that can't hold that. Yeah, like I know at least in terms of, you know, in terms of working, like you don't need the most expensive harness to be able to like weed climb. You don't need a, the most expensive harness to do big wall climbs or multi pitches. But there I, are certain yeah. things. Yeah, there are certain I will things that say you I have for. seen some harnesses that... Um, so uh, a good example of a harness that tends to be a bit more expensive is a Metolius harness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look up the name really fast. Yeah, so this harness right now is $129. Damn. And the reason for this is because it has two two belay loops Yep. Um, instead of one. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this... I believe is so that you can probably hook more things onto your harness. Um, I'm not going to say that I know why there are two loops here because I don't want to give away false information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that this is considered a trad harness. Yeah. And so there are different types of harnesses out there, but for your most general sense of climbing where you're, you're either going outdoors or you're going indoors and you're going to do a lot of sport or top rope, um, it really does not matter the price of a harness as long as it is is rated at its very minimum of holding of being able to hold 15 kilonewtons. Yeah, exactly. Overall, like you know, if if something looks sketchy, I think this is like a good advice for anything in in, in climbing. But if anything looks sketchy, like please ask your gym staff. Like, is this a good harness that's going to be able to fit me? Because you like you know, it is. I guess your first. It's your first line line of defense. You know always want to have a good harness and at least not have to worry about those things while you're climbing, you know? Overall, yeah. Any other lasting thoughts? No, I think we can get on to our hard gear now. Well, we we, we, we talked a little about carabiners, which would be hard mm-hmm. gear, but um, we have yet to talk about some carabiners. So yeah. let's get into that chat. Carabiners. Pat, what do you want to talk about? Oh, well, they're these metal things, right? <laughs> they, uh, they clip. What is the difference? Wait, wait, wait. You, so yes, questions. I think like a lot of people already kind of know what, what a carabiner is. What is the difference between like a climbing carabiner and like a normal carabiner that you would see at like Walmart or something? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of weight. <laughs> Not made of plastic. <laughs> that and one other thing. Uh, but to, besides the fact that it's rated, are you talking about screw gates? Yeah, or just like what is the capability that that climbing carabiners have compared to the amount of stress they can hold? They're like yeah. rated twenty four to twenty six, maybe a little less depending on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are the the screw ones. There's ones mm-hmm. that are not that are just going to be on your quick draws. Yeah, that that's are also true. climbing rated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's um many many different kinds. There's yeah different shapes. There's D's. There's mm-hmm. U, uh, not use D's. You you count as one? I think it's like a they got like oh. not a sharp end. It's not a sharp end, but they get narrower on mm-hmm. one side. Normally, those are going to go right on your bolts. When yeah, you're setting something up, mm-hmm. and then you have like. Oh, there's different uh, materials. Sometimes there's yep. steel carabiners, mm-hmm. which are really good for making your anchors because mm-hmm. of uh, how long they last. Yep. Um, any point of contact on your carabiners where they're going to be rubbed with the rope for a while, mm-hmm. um, you probably want to check those the most because that's, yeah. again, like um, friction and any kind of abrasion is what kills your gear. Yep. And carabiners are no exception. They will wear mm-hmm. down. Your rope can wear down your metal carabiners. Yeah. Um, you kind of look for until there's a little ridge that you can actually feel if there's any sharp edges forming. Mm-hmm. You retire that be- or car- carabiner. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> That's okay. That that part we can keep in. Um, yeah. Retire the carabiner. Retire the carabiner. Yeah. There's. I did see some special ones for belay, um, belaying carabiners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest dangers with the carabiner is cross-loading. Yep. Because they are designed to go one way, which has that nice 24, 26, maybe 22. 
uh, killing Newtons. Yeah. But on the other way, you, you could see sometimes what, like four or six? Am I right? Uh, about that? Mine, so I have my Midnight Lightning oh, um, triple easy. action carabiner in front of me. So vertical wise, it's rated to 24. Um, if it becomes crossloaded, where like the rope basically pulls on like the gate and mm-hmm. the other side of the carabiner, um, closed at least, it should hold eight kilonewtons, and then with the gate open, it can hold nine, which is weird because you would nine expect with it open. Yeah, with it crossloaded. No, no, no. I think it just says with, with oh, it. Oh, yeah. So like, no, if a carabiner normal was normal but open, open, yeah, it, yeah, it would hold the carabiner nine greatly. Yeah. Um, but crossloaded is the weakest point where it holds only eight kilonewtons. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's some specialty carabiners that have a um, various ways of keeping your carabiner straight. Mm-hmm. There'll be like an extra little like wire gate sometimes yep. to mm-hmm. keep your carabiner on your belay loop facing the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's various locking mechanisms. There's that triple lock. There's screw gates. There's oh no, just double lock. Yeah, there's double lock. Double carab- lock. Yeah, there's yeah. there's double action I don't think carabiners. Go for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, before you go and buy them check with people first learn how to make your anchors and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. learn it from someone that has done it personally don't just check online there's many videos that have various forms of natural anchors which may or may not be successful correct Um, some of them line up with what i end up doing um but check with actual people that know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and not even not just one person to like make sure that you get pull the crowd this is this is your life that you're putting at risk for for sport, pretty much. So Correct, make sure you yeah. do your research before, yeah. You know, yeah, definitely trusting yourself with any kind of gear. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, one hundred percent. Always and like for any of the gear that we have mentioned, um, even where it's like you know, even if it's gear that like wouldn't even matter too much, like for example, chalk or even like shoes, which we'll get into another time. You know, have those systems of support, basically. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think this is a really great, a great intro discussion about gear, right? Like, clearly there are. Mm-hmm. There's a whole wealth layers, of things yeah. that we didn't even get into, mm-hmm. you know, stuff for aid climbing, stuff for lead climbing, oh, yeah. stuff for trad climbing. Um, I think learning about your gear is really important so that you understand what you're using um, mm-hmm. and it can help you understand where your gear is coming from and how to use it best if you understand, if you understand how it works. Yeah. And that was, you know, the main intention of this conversation today was just to understand that. Um, mm-hmm. And thank you, Patrick, for um, yes. taking some time thank out of your you, day Patrick. to come talk to us about gear. Um, no problem. Overall, that's our episode for today. Um, we talked about um, Melina Costanza and her battle with um, eating disorder right now. Um, and unfortunately, it has um, you know cost her the ability to be able to compete in nationals. We talked about um, one experience could be deadly and how um, a story from a guy or a person named Gear Guru on Climbing.com um, basically told a story about really, really, really dangerous belaying. Um, and then, of course, the stew of this episode, we talked about, about our gear and not our gear, but basically like, you know, our thoughts on gear, like what we kind of know um, to be able to give you guys a tool uh, to be able to possibly get your own gear. Check us out on social media uh, with our t- with our Twitter and our Instagram and our Penn State Club climbing um, Instagram. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Keep on climbing. Keep on climbing.